picture this. I'm a bag of dicks. Put me to your lips. I am sick. I will punch a baby bear in his shit. Give me lip. I'm gonna send you to the yard. Get a stick. Make a switch. I can end the conversation real quick. I am crack. I ain't lying. Keep the lying in this crack. I'm the shit. I will fall off in your crib. Take a shit. Hit your mama on the booty. Kick your dog. Fuck your bitch. That boy dressed up like you sat on and took pictures with your kids. I love that song. Welcome to another episode of Twisted. We're trying this again. Thanks for tuning in. It's September 9th. Super excited. Going to do a quick little thing. I don't have a lot of time to do a long one, so I'm going to do about 30 minutes. Get in, pow, get out, bang. Happy uh, birthday to my mother. It is now, she, it's her birthday day, September 9th. So, happy birthday. I love you very much, Mom. And uh, thank you for bringing me into this world. And thanks for letting my dad put it... Okay, I'm not going to go there. But the point is this. Happy birthday to my mother. And a happy football day, everybody. It is officially the 2016 football season started. Uh, Oakland Raiders going to win it all. Put some money on it. They're going deep, deep, deep. I'm stoked. Don't doubt about it. I'm going to win both my bets with Ari Shafir and Jason Tebow. He'll be dressing like a cross-dresser on Santa Monica Boulevard. And Ari will get his butthole bleached. So, very excited about that. Uh, I, I, I love football. I love everything about football. NBA is my favorite. It goes NBA, UFC, and NFL the same. But it's so weird when you meet people who like aren't into football. Like I'm supposed to write with some people, or some good friends of mine. I love them to death. I love them to death. But it's just like, what do you what do you mean? You don't like football? What do you what do you what are you talking about? Yeah, they're like, oh, we're supposed to have a meeting and we're gonna have a writing meeting during a football game. Like, what is wrong with you? It's opening day. It's the opening game of the season. We're gonna have a writing meeting. We gotta watch football. We have to watch athletic. Dudes beat the shit out of each other. And, we, and we're and we all sober, so nobody's drinking. But the point is, we just need to watch football and get weird and enjoy it. But, you know, got to pay them bills, dude. Got to pay them bills. So I hope your team does really well this year. And I hope your team loses to the Raiders in the Super Bowl. So I think it's going to be Raiders versus Carolina. Raiders versus Carolina in the in the Super Bowl. You heard it here. You heard it here first. Raiders versus Carolina in the Super Bowl. Bam! Shut your face. We're gonna beat the Patriots. We're gonna beat everybody else. I'm not even worried about it. I'm excited. So uh what do I want to talk about today? Real quick, I'll be back on the International Bad Boys Hour next Monday. Uh should be a good show. I had to take a break, but I'm back. Holla at your boy. Okay, I'm back. We'll do it. Listen, t-shirts are available, man. International Bad Boys t-shirts, they're really nice. Go check them out. Uh, You can buy them at the internationalbadboyshour.com. I'm telling you, the t-shirts are nice. You should get one. They're gorgeous. They look good. And my new album, The Diabolical, should be out soon. And you'll be able to get t-shirts for that too. So check that out. Thank you, everybody, for doing Patreon and dedicating yourself to Punch Drunk and helping us out. It means a lot to me. You guys are the shit. Okay. Uh, football, football, football. Yeah. Football starting. Killing it in fantasy football. I mean, just destroying people. It's unbelievable. I'm playing chess. They're playing checkers. My team is deep. I'm going to wreck every. I'll be. I'll, 
I'll, I'll be really surprised if I don't win every league. It's really amazing. I'll make it to the finals in one of the leagues because I always do. I always do. But it, I'm going to blow. I'm in this fantasy league in upstate New York with some good friends. They're very nice people. But, I mean, dude, it is just a wolf in the chicken hen house. You know, I just, just destroying people. I mean, my whole team is murder's row. It's almost like I just drafted against myself. It was awesome. So then we did the Comedy Store draft yesterday, and um, Mervis couldn't make it because he's booking. You know, if you don't know who Mervis is, he plays one of the Vikings in the Capital One commercials, and uh, he, he books something because he looks like a Viking. He's a giant teddy bear. Just think of every fat guy at Burning Man that is basically um, Mervis. So he could make so he had Josh Martin uh, draft for him, and as you know, you might know Josh Martin from... His uh, losing a bet to me two years ago, and in Ari Shafir's storytelling show, he had to wash his face with our jizz socks. So, and he liked, he's drafting, he's talking shit to me. It's like, you can't talk shit after you just wash your face. I don't care if it was two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, you just wash your face with my jizz sock. You, you can't talk shit after that. You can't. It's like Conor McGregor couldn't talk shit. To Diaz after he choked him out, he can't really talk shit. You got my jizz activated in a glass of water, and it was so. I mean, we put the we put the, the rag in the water, and you just saw it become milky white. And he took it and he wiped his face with. He paid off the bet. I know I'm gonna get shit. At least he pays his bet off. I paid my bet off too. I paid my bets off too. But you can't talk shit. You can't talk shit if you got jizz on your face. So, uh, Josh Martin, fuck you. Go see him with Joe Rogan. He's opening. He's playing Cleveland. So uh, I do love him, even though he's got a horrible haircut and he wiped his face with my jizz rag. Besides that, great guy. Uh, what else is going on? So last night, I I just want to tell you kind of my life as a stand-up comic. Um, for a very long time, I, I started comedy. In Las Vegas in the early 90s. And there was the comedy clubs, unlike now, wouldn't let locals play the comedy clubs. So I had to find my own way of uh, my own stage time. So what I would do is I would go to bars and I would hit up these bars, ask them to give me their worst night, and I'd start a comedy show there, which is very funny because that's all I do now is I, in my life. My career, all my gigs are self-made. I just make my own gigs, and I just enjoy doing that. I don't know why. I'm just weird like that. I really am the Boba Fett of stand-up comedy. I'm such a lone assassin. I'm a hired gun. And apparently, you can get me 50 cents on the fucking dollar. But I do. I go into horrible situations, and I just wreck shop. And I deal with a lot of... Of hecklers like I talked last week. So here's our new story in heckling. Uh, last night a friend of mine named Eric asked me to do his show in the Valley. Now if you're not from Los Angeles, you don't really know what the Valley is. You hear about it maybe in movies, but you've never been there, you don't know. The Valley is basically when you go over Highland, okay? You go, there's a street called Highland, the, the famous intersection. There's two famous intersections in on Hollywood Boulevard, and that is uh, Highland and Hollywood and Hollywood and Vine. Those are the two famous ones. They're the two big intersections. And I live right down from 
Hollywood and Highland. I live like a couple blocks away. That area is where they have the Oscars. And by my house is where all the limo drivers park. So on the day of the Oscars, it's literally like 300, 400 limo drivers and their limos hanging out near my house. So if you want to go to the valley, for the most part, you take Highland up onto the 101. You go over the hill. Now, going over the hill, once you go over the hill, you are now in the valley. It is Burbank. It is Studio City. It is uh, Chatsworth. That's where they shoot all the porn for you guys who care about porn, um, which I know a lot of you do. I'm not the only one carrying that industry. Stop. Stop acting like you don't care. You care. We need to care. We need... I, there's some... Okay. There's some prop right now going on on a side note about... These, these condom Nazis uh, thinking they're saving people's lives by making everybody in porn wear condoms. It's not happening. That's not where the, anybody's getting the AIDS. The people are getting the AIDS from shooting heroin and having unprotected sex in their butts, doing butt shit. You know, wear a condom and don't shoot heroin and you should be fine. That's just my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. God, God knows I could be wrong. Who knows? All right? Who knows? But the point is... Enough with these votings on condom laws. You're just sending it underground. That's all you're doing is you're sending the porn industry underground and it's just going to get weirder and weirder and weirder. So that was my political statement for the day. No, I'm going to get a little more politics in a few. But So you go in the valley. You go into the valley. And here's the thing about the valley in Los Angeles. The valley, it is always 1995. Ah, fuck, I fucked that up. No, it's always 1975. It's always 1975. It always looks like 1975. I mean, go to any movie made in the 70s and about Los Angeles, and you will see that is the vibe. The vibe is browns. Everything's brown. I don't know what happened in the 70s, but brown was really in, and it's uncomfortable to look at. I mean, just a whole city of brown. The whole valley, everything is brown. Everything is dirty. It's 1975. That's what it is. It's really 1975. And I go to this bar called The Scene, and you go deep into the valley, the like Burbank and the valley, that's more like small town and big towns. It's like, yeah, it's Los Angeles, but it's, it's got small town vibe. It's like, imagine a small town, but with a lot of traffic. That's kind of what it is. And there's all these little bars, and I went to this bar called The Scene, okay? And the reason I'm bringing this up, because I got heckled at The Scene. It it turned into a murder scene, but a crime scene, a murder scene, but it was The Scene. So, I... I go do this gig, and the reason I bring this up is because there was just, just this thing about Amy Schumer put sh- shutting down a heckler uh, who yelled, I, apparently, like, show me your tits, and she shut him down. I don't know the exact heckle, um, and everybody's talking about how brave she is. And listen, I, I understand that it's it's not easy as a woman hearing somebody say, show me your tits. It's very... Uh, disrespectful, it's very misogynistic, Um, but it's like, that's the game, man, that is the game, that is the game, that is the battle between comic and heckler, whatever your thing is, that's what they're going to make fun of you about, I mean, look at Ralphie May, when he gets heckled, well, they yell, fat fuck, right, like, he doesn't go on, oh, fat shaming, but it's, that's what it is, you know, she got. She said, "Show me your tits," 
and suddenly it's a big national story. I wish someone would yell, only show me your tits. I wish that would happen to me. I wish. If the worst thing that happens to me on stage is someone yells, show me your tits, I had a good night. Because it doesn't always happen like that. I've had people come up on stage and swing on me. I've had people throw bottles at me. I had a 70-year-old man come up on stage wanting to fight me. And guess what? The bouncers weren't there. You know who to throw them out? Eleanor Kerrigan. The, the female comic on the show grabbed him and threw him out. What the fuck? Does Amy Schumer have to worry about violence? I've had chairs thrown at me. I've had bottles thrown at me. I've had people come and swing at me after the show. I've had people try to choke me out. And it's not me. I'm just, dude, I know. It's not me. So I'm doing this show in the valley at a place called The Scene. And I walk in, and my friend Eric's running in. He's a very nice guy, and I think he's very funny. He asked me to do a show. I have to run to do another gig, so I go, can I go right up? He goes, yeah, you can go right up. So I go up, and I do stand-up, and right out of the gate, these two dudes jump, just start verbally jumping me. And I look out, and they're literally like tiny little Mexicans who are Green Bay Packer fans, which is a weird blend. Green Bay Packer, Mexican football fans, that's weird. And they have, their, they have their girlfriend, who's bigger than both of them, who's a nice person. She's not that big, but compared to them, she's huge. And it looks like, like I, I had the feeling of like every Denny's waitress who has to uh, deal with a mom who can't control her kids. So I have these two little Mexican guys nonstop verbally attacking me while their mom just sits there like, oh, aren't they the most adorable people in the world? No, man, they're ruining the show. Can you just quiet? Can I try? Let me work my well-crafted dick jokes, okay? I am the Carl Sagan of dick jokes. Please let me work them. Have your kids shut up. For the love of God, please, let me do my act. And I just, I mean, dude, but here's the thing. Like I've said before, I'm dead on the inside. So you're going to come at me. You're going to say things that pop in your head. And what you are saying is open micer shit. Okay, you're as a heckler, just to let me know what you're doing. You heckling a comedian is like a person who just touched a basketball for the first time trying to take on an NBA player. Now, I'm not going to say Michael Jordan because not every comic is the Michael Jordan of comics. There's some uh, people are bench warmers and there's some people who play in fucking Europe. Right. So you're you're taking on a professional basketball player. And I don't know if you've ever watched ever played basketball with a guy who is like a fringe NBA player or a fringe pro player and he comes and he plays. We were kind of talking about this on a punch drunk the other day. Joe Kilgon was talking about that. How like these guys who like can't even make the league come and they play against regular guys and they fucking light people up. That's what it is with a heckler. You're a open micer. You're a first time open micer. You don't know what you're talking about. And you're going up, and in my, my instance, a dead-on-the-inside Sith Lord. I grew up just, you know, people are like, oh, you're so fucking cocky. you got to understand what I had to do in my career. I had to follow Eddie Griffin, Andrew Dice Clay, Joe Rogan, Brian Holtzman, night in, night out for my first 10 years at the Comedy Store. Every night I had to follow one of those guys and I had to sit in the pocket and learn how to get blood from a stone and survive. And I got verbally attacked and I just sat in the moment. See, I have been dealing with hecklers since I was a kid. So me and my friends growing up, 
we we didn't we stopped fighting it like in eighth grade. I mean, we I had fights here and there, but really, like between friends, there was no fight. It became verbal like destruction. Like you would verbally destroy somebody, and this is the truth. So. We would go to this place called Pontillo's Pizza. And whoever got the bad seat in the corner of the booth would just get lit up by everybody. I mean, lit the fuck up. And any insecurities you had in your life and anything you did, like if you just did the, you like you just, you, you had your, 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 you laid your, your head on your fist, kind of just daydreaming, they would just pound on you for that. And anything you did to change it, that would become a new thing. They would just pound on you. So I got used to verbally getting attacked since, like, literally the seventh grade. I mean, I was getting verbally beat up. So I remember, like, when I got my first heckler, I got my first heckler was in Vegas, and I just bombed earlier at the UNLV. I got asked to do this this comedy show, and I remember I bombed. I just bombed. It was like a, It was like a lunch show doing like stand up for college kids at lunch and I was a college kid at the time and I bombed and I remember bombing so bad and I was so upset and I was like man I gotta get back on stage dude I gotta get back on stage and, and, and I gotta redeem myself you know comedy is all about redemption dog it's all about rede- you have a bad set all you want is redemption that's all you want give me that redemption so I go and I do and there's a bar called uh, play it again, Sam's. So I go to do play it again, Sam's. And I do stand up, and this auto mechanic who had the worst teeth in the world, like he must have been getting that early meth, that bathtub meth, that was like it wasn't like fine tuned now, like coming out of Mexico, built in. La- I mean, we're talking like hillbillies, desert hillbillies, m- cooking meth in a bathtub and smoking it right there. Teeth jack, and he heckles me, and I just go into murder mode, and for the first time in my life. I destroyed this heckler. And it was the coolest thing I ever did. And I was just like, oh. And I realized I had skill at that moment. So, and I, it takes me time. And through the comedy store, I've honed it. So I'm in I'm in the zone. And I have no problem with saying that I, I'm a Sith Lord when it comes to heckle kills. Because I've been doing it so long. And I, I would tell you, I've only lost one heckle battle. And it wasn't me. It was me full of a room full of Australians in Australia. And when sometimes you just got to learn, you know, when it's your time to just chill, you chill. So I, I, I conceded the match and took the L. So I'm like literally like 3,001. So I go to this, uh, I go to this scene, and these guys start hitting me, and it's like two Mexican Green Bay Packer fans, which is really weird and very uncomfortable. And I proceed to just destroy that. And every time they talk, I hit them, and the room is going crazy. But I'm kind of over it because I, I like I didn't want to drive to the valley to get heckled and kill hecklers. I, I got a bunch of new jokes I'm really proud of that I really want to talk about, and I wanted to work them there, because you can't work at the comedy store anymore in terms of new material as much, because the comedy store is... It's just murder's row. That's all it is. It's just murder's row. you got to... you got to kill when you're there. So you can't work on the material as much. I even heard Crystalia saying that. It's like, dude, I can't work on new shit here. The lineup's such a good. And if that dude's saying it, then what hope does any one of us have? So I go to this bar and I start murdering these guys. 
And I do my 10 minutes and I get off stage and everybody comes out to thank me. Well, this little tiny Mexican dude, like I'm talking like 5'3", comes out and he's got fire in his eyes. He's like, hey, man, I just want to talk to you. I've been there before, dude. I've had people come and slap me after shows or swing on me, punch me. And I know that. So I go right into karate mode, which is what I, I, karate mode. And uh, I take a step back and he... um, and my friend Mark Fry just fucking clotheslines this dude. He's like, what the fuck, man? And he's like, nah, dude, we don't need to talk. He goes back inside. He pulls out the other Green Bay Packer Mexican fan. And this guy's like, why am I out here? I have no problems with you. He's like, hey, dude, I want to talk to you. And uh, his buddy, who's with the woman I said was his mom, who wasn't big at all. She just was huge next to these two little guys. Uh... He comes over, he stops them, everyone stops them, so I just walk off. And turns out the guy wanted to talk to me about how to get into comedy. And it's always that. I always say this all the time. The people who heckle, heckle for different reasons. Got Women heckle because they're sexually attracted to you, or they want to be the center of attention. They're pissed that you're the center of attention. I've seen it happen a thousand times. Guys heckle for a couple reasons. One, uh, they want to be comics. They want to do stand-up and they don't have the balls to do it. Or they're the funny guy in the group and they're pissed somebody else is getting laughs. Or um, the other one is um, uh, they're pissed that you're making their girlfriend laugh more than they are. And that just pisses them off. So the whole point of this thing is like, yes, I respect that, that a female comic has to go through certain things like being told... Uh, you know, hey, show me your tits. Uh, you know, I bet you got a great ass, which sucks. But just know, I get physically threatened. I've had people swing on me, punch me, throw stuff at me. So it's like, it's not easy on everybody. The point of this whole thing is like, stand up can be a motherfucker. All right? There you go. That was it. God, that went way longer than I thought it was going to go. God damn it. All right. So I think I'm going to just... All right, that was that was it. I think I'm gonna do that. I think I'm gonna do that because I have this whole long thing, and I gotta be at the. I got to be at. Um, I have to be at the. Um, I have to be at All Things Comedy today to do my new to launch Brody and Jen Sturger's new Showtime. I have their new. Uh, Punch Drunk Sports podcast. So I have this whole thing about rantings that I want to go on, but it's going to take too long. Maybe I'll do a double one. I'll do, I'll do, I'll do another one tomorrow. So I'm going to end with this. I'm going to end with this. I mean, yeah. Okay. I'm going to end with this. Here's some motivational Something I, I like to listen to like one motivational uh, video a day kind of gets me going. So I want to uh, put this over here. We'll uh, listen to it. It's about six minutes long. I hope that you in fact enjoy it because I really do enjoy it. So it's called the best motivational speech ever. Never give up by Eric Thomas. So I hope that you enjoy it. And I'll do an. I'll, maybe I'll. I'll. I'll do another rant tomorrow 
don't know. We'll figure it out. I'll save the rants for the, the next week. So we'll figure it out. All right. I love you guys. So here, you, I hope you guys enjoy this. This is great. So we'll listen to it. There will never be a point in your time in your life where it's the right time to do a great thing. If you're waiting for that perfect, perfect moment, that perfect timing, it's not going to happen. You know what you have to do? You have to create the perfect time and the perfect opportunity and the perfect situation. So a lot of people become comfortable. They stop growing. They stop wanting anything. They, they become satisfied. People getting ready to go to jobs that they don't like. Jobs that are making them sick. You see, when you're not pursuing your goal, you are literally committing spiritual suicide. When you have some goal out here that you're stretching for and reaching for, that takes you out of your comfort zone, you'll find out some talents and abilities you have that you didn't know you had. When the messenger of misery visits you, what are you going to do? What will keep you in the game? There are things that you think you'll never need to know that you may only need to know one time in your life, but that could save your life because you had that knowledge. Unless you attempt to do something beyond that, which you've already mastered, you will never grow. What is it that you looked at at some point in time and you decided that you couldn't do it, that you talked yourself out of it? You're waiting on your next door neighbor to make it happen for you. It may not happen. If you're waiting on your mother or your father, they may be so ancient in their thinking that they don't understand this opportunity that you have. And if you're waiting on them, it may never get done. You don't beg average people to be phenomenal. You don't beg good people to be phenomenal. You just are phenomenal and you will attract phenomenal. What reason can you remember that you can call on, that you can reach on, that can make you get back up? Find that reason. If you're not where you are, if you're not where you want to be, if you don't have what you want, you want to have, if you're not where you think you should be at this particular place, it has nothing to do with the system, but it has everything to do with the fact that you're not making the sacrifice. I want you to make that dream become a reality, because if you don't, you will be working for somebody else to make their dreams become a reality. Everybody is against you or don't believe in you no more. And let me tell you something, that's a lonely feeling. It's a lonely feeling, particularly people that you're doing it for. Most people take their greatness, take their ideas to the graveyard with them. Listen to me, if it was easy, everybody would do it. There are people right now who are working who don't want to work. There are people who hate their job, but they keep getting up to do it. The wealthiest place on the planet is the graveyard. Because in the graveyard we will find inventions that we never ever were exposed to. Ideas, dreams that never became reality. Hopes and aspirations that were never acted upon. The question is what are you going to do with your time? What drives you? And greatness is a lot of small things done well. Day after day. Workout after workout, obedience after obedience, day after day. When things don't work out for you, when things happen that you could not anticipate, what are the reasons that you can think of that can keep you strong? 
You will never ever be successful until you turn your pain into greatness, until you allow your pain to push you from where you are to push you to where you need to be. Stop running from your pain and embrace your pain. Your pain is going to be a part of your pride, a part of your product. I, I challenge you to push yourself. See, it's easy to be on the bottom. It doesn't take any effort to be a loser. Doesn't take any motivation, any drive in order to stay down there on a low level. But it calls on everything in you. You have to harness your will to say, I'm going to challenge myself. I mean that what you did last week don't count. Today, today is the only important day. There are 86,400 seconds in a day. And how you use those are critical. You got 86,400 today. And what you do today is worth the secret of who you are. Nobody's going to talk about what you did last week. that the biggest enemy you have to deal with is yourself. There's an old African proverb that says, if there's no enemy within, the enemy outside can do us no harm. You have this opportunity of a lifetime. It means absolutely nothing if you don't take advantage of it in the lifetime of this opportunity. I got a saying that when life knocks you down, try and land on your back because if you can look up, you can get up. If you want a thing bad enough to go out and fight for it, to work day and night for to give up your time, your peace, and your sleep for If all that you dream and scheme is about it, and life seems useless and worthless without it. See, it's time now. If you want to make this your decade, you've got to start saying yes to your life. You've got to start saying yes to your dreams, yes to your unfolding future, yes to your potential, as opposed to saying no. When you die, die or eat. No dream left behind, guys. Leave no opportunity left behind. When you leave this earth, accomplish every single thing you can accomplish. Listen to me. You're going to be here one day, but you'll never get here if you give up, if you give in, if you quit. And finally, guys, you got to want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe. That is some real shit. I love you all. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Take care. Thanks for, if you if you're watching this on YouTube. Sorry the last 5 minutes is just me shadow boxing. But I love you and uh we will uh I'll tune in next week. Please subscribe to my YouTube page Sam Tripoli youtubecom Tripoli. I love you all. Have a great weekend. Enjoy football. I love you all. I'm so thankful you guys listen. And uh, if there's anything I can do better, let me know. I just DIY this shit. And I'm just trying to have fun. And if it's shitty, let me know too. So I love you. Give me a positive review. Give me some likes. If you like this, put it all over the place. Tell your friends. And uh, we'll see you next week. God bless you guys. Take care. Bye.